wish I had a little bit more support mentally and prepared for myself. And then also knew some of those, like exactly what you read, like what do babies actually need? How much are they actually getting? How big is their stomach actually? Because I was focused on birth. Welcome to the Hey Mama podcast. We're your hosts, Tessa and Shayna. We are sisters, mothers, and doulas, and are passionate about living an intentional life and all things motherhood. This podcast exists to create community as we learn how to delight in motherhood together. Join us weekly as we chat with women about anything and everything from non-toxic living to women's health to feeding our families and our favorite topic of all, birth. We are so glad you're here. Please keep in mind the views of our guests may not necessarily reflect our own and vice versa. This is not medical advice. We always encourage you to do your own research and make an informed decision. Let's get to it. Well, hello and welcome to the Hey Mama podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Shayna. And I'm Tessa. And we are so glad you guys are here today. We thought we could sit down and have a little bit of a conversation about both of our unique breastfeeding journeys. Tessa with her two boys and my journey with my daughter and just how different those were. We kind of discussed um, some of maybe the things we weren't prepared for in our journeys and some of the things that hopefully you can take away from this and start applying that to researching or preparing for that postpartum breastfeeding journey. Um, because I, I would say for like some things for me, like I just wasn't prepared for them. And I yeah. wish I had taken a little bit more time and sat down and researched and prepared for my postpartum season as much as I prepared for my birth. So that's really our heart behind this episode, just kind of having a fluid conversation between one another and chatting about all things breastfeeding. And you know, it's kind of a bummer because I don't feel like anybody encouraged either of us to ever like look into like, okay breastfeeding and what this might look like and what are common things and what's common but and normal and what those actually mean and things like that. So I think we both got there in our own journeys and figured it out, but had a lot of obstacles, both of us just differently, but it's just kind of a bummer. Yeah. Nobody, nobody was watching out for us on that end. <laughs> so we're watching out for you. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, do you want to kind of dive in a little bit about River yeah. first and just kind of share with like beginning, maybe day one. Yeah. How it started. <laughs> yes. Um, my birth with River was beautiful. I loved it. I would birth so many times more. Um, and then pretty immediately my midwife, because midwives typically they're very well-versed in this area, right? This is how many uh, tongues were clipped <laughs> hundreds of years ago or because slashed. or slashed because <laughs> midwives would have their you know keep their pinky nail sharp and they would actually do that when they saw a tongue restriction or an oral restriction in a baby's mouth um so that also if you haven't listened to our episode dr bethany we go all into tongue ties and oral functions and oral restrictions so go back and listen to that episode because i learned so much i re-listened to it i was like oh we just love her. She's amazing. And it was a great one. Um, but we kind of dive into that uprise and maybe why yeah. we're seeing more of an uprise in it, which is also so interesting. Anyways, my midwife um, quickly noticed, didn't take much, that my daughter's tongue, the tip of her tongue was tied down to her jaw. Um, so that is a posterior tongue tie. Right? Um, it was anterior. It's anterior. Yeah, because it's in the front. Okay. Um, right. It's not posterior. So it was pretty severe, which basically means that like your tongue was almost in like 
a wave motion, right? So her tongue couldn't do that. So in order to like basically like throw the milk back, she couldn't do that. Um, so we were right away working with an amazing lactation specialist who I adore and I'm so thankful for. And my midwife kind of like got us going right away. But it was a very, um, I don't want to say difficult, but it was. It was exhausting. It was difficult. Well, yeah. And maybe you can explain why a little bit more. Like you had her over the holidays and yeah. things were closed. Yes. And so I like- had her the holidays and it was a weekend. So um, lactation specialist we were working with, she right away was like, okay, like we just need to make sure basically that she's getting nutrition, right? It doesn't take much colostrum. They need a few drops, especially in those first 24 hours, um, especially the first week. Um, so it's not much that she needed to ingest, but we needed to make sure she was getting yeah. it. So what I was doing was I was just hand expressing every two hours um, into a little container and then feeding my daughter through a syringe. Until and if you've ever hand expressed, you know it's not for the to part. It it's takes, not. And hand expressing colostrum is a lot of work. Yes. Like you're getting drops at a time, which yeah. again, um, in our current westernized medical society, you know, a doctor maybe would look at that and be like, oh, you got, you know, three milliliters or whatever, that's not enough. And when you're really thinking about how much your baby needs, how big their stomach is, they need like three drops per feeding in the beginning. And then it like gradually gets more. Colostrum is so thick, so nutritious. So like, it's amazing. But I just knew right away, like I was so thankful that I had an alternative um, approach to all of this, because if I was in a hospital setting, I know how much more stressed I would have been for my own personality, but also knowing what I know about the body, about my child, about what they actually needed. Um, and I learned so much. So I was hand expressing every two hours, um, day. And then also at night because she was you know, a day old, two days old, three days old. We got her tongue revised at three days old and um, my milk fully transitioned while I was, um, she was like four days old. So I was hand expressing. And um, so when we got her tongue revised, it's amazing. I automatically latched her. It was amazing. I could feel the difference because I was still latching her after I would feed her through the syringe. But I knew that not a lot of milk was transferring that way, right? So when I was feeding her on this with a syringe, I was maybe putting a drop on my pinky and putting my pinky like up at the roof of her mouth and having her suck that way. We were really working on oral exercises with her. Again, like she was brand new, but we were doing those things because I knew there were things we could do. And I was working with an amazing team who was coming alongside me in such a beautiful way. And I'm so thankful for that. But my milk transitioned, um, or as a lot of people would say, my milk came in, (laughs) which your milk has always been there and was always there. So we don't typically use that term. Um, Your milk transitioned. That's exactly what we would say. Yes. And so I was hand expressing and my milk transitioned and my daughter, she wasn't fully, of course, right? She was moving with a new function within her mouth. She wasn't restricted. Um, so she wasn't necessarily like being in a super efficient feeder at the breast, especially at four days old, Mm -hmm. they're not going to be. So I was like rock hard, 
you know, Dolly Parton boobs and like trying to like hand express. And again, I just kept thinking like I got so discouraged. I was so exhausted. Hand expressing every two hours in the middle of the night. Like it was pretty horrible. It was so she would be crying because she wants to eat. And I'm trying to literally like hand express drops out and your boobs are hard and you're leaking everywhere. And it's like, and you have to get a syringe and you have to feed her and you have to like, it was just such, um, it was a really hard two weeks, really, really hard. And it was also something where I was like, I didn't know, like I wasn't prepared. Like I'd heard about tongue ties, nothing that was like, oh. I knew enough to at all be proficient in it, right? And I didn't know that you could have a tongue tie so severe that it was tied to like all of these things that was so new for my husband and I, and just walking through that, and then also being exhausted and just birthing a baby, and like it's such a whirlwind that if you are in it, we see you, we have been there, (laughs) we are you, like you're not alone. It is exhausting. but I just knew, I was like, I know that I'm going to keep going through this. I know she, I see her improvement um, and we're going to keep, we're going to keep pushing. So I would say those first two weeks though were rough. Like they were hard. We were still by a week. I wasn't hand expressing every anymore because she was gaining weight. Um, I could see that. I could tell by her wet diapers, her poopy diapers. So all of those are signs to me that she was doing well and the milk was transferring. We were also getting her adjusted. Um, I was doing lots of expansion as much as I could positions with her. Um, My lactation specialist, again, amazing and really helped with some of those oral function, oral exercises. And so we were being really just, um, kind of like strict about doing those and then also really keeping up with with her wound care which the wound care (laughs) is really sad um typically my husband would do it until he went back to work he would do it it's where you are basically taking your your um finger and you're going down the um floor of the mouth up the tongue so you're basically bringing it up and you're sliding over that so then they scream and they get sad and you do that like doing it to continue to stretch the tissue yeah so it doesn't calcify yeah so it so the wound actually start heals. to the fascia doesn't start to bind back together so yep. it's so vital and it's something parents really shrug away from after they yes. get a release and it's something that like please don't because it just giving yourself like you already went through it now that is a really, really hard part of it, but kind of finishing out that journey is huge. And yeah, um, I know it's really different per uh, provider, but like with the providers that we both saw, um, they both, they have you do those stretches for weeks, yeah, weeks and weeks. So it's not something you're like, okay, so it looks good. Like, all right, there's no bleeding. Like, okay, it's good. No, you continue to do them. Yeah. And our way, how our provider had told us to go about it was my husband would um, do the exercise and we did it three times a day and she had both lip and tongue so she had a lip tie and a tongue tie um and so we did we had both of those revised and my husband would do both and then I would automatically latch her and calm her and yeah. soothe her and she would nurse at the breast and that worked out well you start to I knew that we needed to do it so but if it is hard for you step out of the room or yeah go wash your hands. So the water is running. You can't hear it. They like my daughter really did get used to it after about a week. 
Um, and we did it for you have a fault for our practitioner you have a follow up visit a week later and then at two weeks. And so she double checked to make sure everything was good. And then I kept doing the exercises, I think until a month um, yeah. because I was like, I just want to make sure everything's good. Yeah. But I will say from there with her oral restrictions and with then the deep dive of information I did after after I had her, after she had the revisions done, I just realized how this literally impacts every single thing that she does, the way she breathes, the way that her tongue moves and doesn't move, the way that she eats, the way that she can talk, the way that she sleeps, the way that her oxygen is getting to her brain and so many things that then I really started to take hold of it. I'm like, okay, well, we're going to a Webster certified chiropractor and we're going to be looking into cranial sacral therapy and myofunctional therapy when she gets older because I still see the effects of that ball restriction. Like she doesn't mouth breathe at night for the most part, but her tongue is in a resting place at the bottom of her mouth. So really working to get that tongue up and to get it in the correct spot up at the roof of her mouth with her mouth sealed and like all of those things that's hard to work with <laughs> with an almost two-year-old, yeah. but I- Almost impossible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, our breastfeeding journey, I wouldn't say was ever easy. I loved it. It was such a joy and such a beautiful bonding experience, but we always struggled. Her latch was never amazing. Um, I, you know, I had a, a nice, you know, amount of milk. I had a great supply. That wasn't ever the issue. It was just, I had pain and always working on that unlatch, but then getting lazy and not wanting to do it because I'm tired and, you know, we have reasons why we don't want to unlatch our baby when they're screaming and want to eat. Um, and so there's just certain things I wish I had kept up with. I wish I'd kept up with some of the exercises I was doing. Um, but I would say of like our journey, I'm so thankful for. It's taught me so much. And it also taught me so many things that I wish I had learned. But taking that and applying it of like, I'm so thankful for what we did learn. And she is the strongest little girl and so sweet and just loved breastfeeding. Yes. Loved it. Yes, she did. She really did. I also want to just kind of read out the just different amounts um, just oh, for yeah. those like who are wondering because it's such a different way that it's portrayed with yes. what, uh, especially in a hospital setting, what they're going to act like baby needs. Yes. And it's, it's so extreme and um, not to say that it's, you know, it ruined your child or did all these things, but it's like no. from the beginning, we just, it's not intuitive and it's not biological. And so we really want to bring it back to that. Everything just being yep. more like what is biological, uh, traditionally biological, rather than us getting into the weeds, the system and letting society take over. But for day one, for a baby, newborn baby, you need five to seven milliliters, which is one teaspoon. So Shana is doing these drops into a teaspoon and you can, Shana did syringe feeding, you can do it in a spoon, you can yep. do it in a cup. Syringe or spoon are much easier. When you just need a, when you want to make sure they're getting exactly. Uh, especially syringe when there was not a lot of movement at the time. Right. Day three, you would do 22 to 27 milliliters, which is two teaspoons, you guys, two. 
Okay. So, well, let's take that to, so like when you're in the hospital and let's say they're, they gave you a pump and they're telling you to pump because, you know, something your milk hasn't come in. They're telling you what? that your milk hasn't come in right. and they're putting a pump in front of you and they're telling you to pump. And let's say you pump out three milliliters, which in that pumping session would be totally normal and totally like biological for your body to do. Then they see that and they say, oh, well, your baby needs to be getting X, Y, and Z. So we're going to give them bottle formula or you have to pump out that much in order to show us that your baby's eating and ingesting that much before you leave the hospital. And so it's just bringing and then that causes stress on your body because you're like, okay, am I making enough milk? Am I not? And then stress releases cortisol in our body versus oxytocin, which is what we want in order to produce that milk, right? And to gauge that flowing. So it's such a cycle. And a lot of it starts out that way. And it seems so simple of like, oh, they offered me formula. And even just that being put in a mother's head, that there's another option besides her body and how she was created. And we know that there are instances that are rare or there are reasons for certain things or that a true milk supply, it can happen. It is extremely rare, but it can happen. So we're not talking about those instances. We're talking about a mom that maybe had a slightly traumatic birth, that her body is still handling that trauma, that that baby is still handling that trauma, that their needs are different in those moments, and that you might not be able to pump out whatever hospital is telling you to pump out. So having this information before, if you are giving birth, especially in a hospital setting, having this information prior to that, so you know your options and you don't have to just like, okay, I'm just going to feed my baby this two ounce bottle of formula to leave the hospital. That's also way too much for them. So just like keeping that in mind that it all plays a part. Um, And so, yeah, Yeah. I think that was great reading off the, yeah. So, and we'll link that. Going back, it just would be day one is five to seven milliliters for one teaspoon. And it gives the visual would be the size of a cherry is the, your baby's stomach size. Then for day three, the visual would be a walnut is the size. And then that's 22 to 27 milliliters for two teaspoons. By one week, the stomach size is about an apricot. And that's 45 to 60 milliliters. For, and that's two to four teaspoons. And just think about that range right there. Two to four teaspoons is a big range. So each child, we have our parameters, but now each child is going to have their own flow, Mm -hmm. just like we do. Oh, I like small breakfasts and big lunches and like a whatever dinner. Oh, Shanna loves a huge breakfast and like a little lunch. And so we all start to have our habits just like we do as adults. They have them as newborns. So that is totally typical. They're intuitive eaters. Exactly. It doesn't change. And by one month, the baby's stomach size is about the size of an egg. And then that would be 80 to 150 milliliters or a quarter of a cup. But that's just a really, it's such a debunking picture of what um, Western is pushing on us, Western society and just American society, truly just what they're pushing on you. We're just feeding, feeding baby and baby needs more and baby needs more. And it's like, we are not listening to baby. We're not watching baby. We're not seeing baby's cues. We're not letting baby tell us that they're hungry or they want to soothe. We're just giving them too much. So just bringing that kind of. And giving them too much causes reflux, causes excessive spitting up, like it can cause what it would cause in us. And that was so huge what you said. They are intuitive eaters. And there's a lot of babies. If it was a traumatic birth, if it was an exhausting birth, if baby was under a lot of stress, if there Mm. were those other things outside of our control, maybe in the environment, 
you might not be starving and ready to eat a huge meal. Your baby might not either. You both need time, right? Mm -hmm. So give each other the space and the grace and keep offering and keep um, obviously making that available. But we know it's easier said than done, but truly like trust your baby, trust your body, give them time. They might need like a good rest and you might need a good rest. And then let's move forward. Absolutely. Awesome. That's great. Well, do you want to share a little bit about yours? Sure. Uh, with my first, I had a little bit more of a very traditional, partially fear-mongering um, experience. I had Sage in a hospital and immediately was they were trying to have him latch uh, and it was not going great. And I think they had multiple, I think I had like five different lactation specialists every day coming in and not every day, every couple hours coming in and seeing me a new one. Uh, They gave me a charting sheet that I was supposed to chart how often baby was eating, what side, how long, et cetera. The most exhaustive, I will say that was one of the most exhausting, ridiculous things. And I stopped doing it because I was like, what am I doing? Actually, what am I doing? Like you want me to, he's two hours old. So it was ridiculous, but, and I know that's a lot of women's experience and maybe that works for you. Awesome. Yeah, if it, if works, it works for you, for you. Right. it did not work for me and made me mad. It freaked me out. It stressed me out. Right. Um, and then again, it was like, I didn't have immediate pain um, with him. It was weird and uncomfortable for me in the beginning. And I just remember being like, I am so uncomfortable in this hospital bed. I need to get out of it. I can't like, literally feed my son in this hospital bed. And I know if you've had a hospital birth, you know that feeling. Um, so it, it really kind of played out fine. He was gaining weight. He was in the 90th, you know, quotations percentile. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything was looking good. It was really not until about four months old um, that we started having any concerns. So my milk had regulated which again, this is something that like I knew in the back of my head, like, yeah, my milk regulates, which that means that your body knows, okay, you have one baby. This is kind of how he eats, this is how much he eats, right? And your body is creating milk for that baby to, per, to what the baby likes, right? Uh, and knows like, oh, this is normally like, okay, it's going to be higher in the morning, it might be lower in the afternoon. It's going to be higher throughout the night, right? All those kinds of things. Then he started sleeping longer stretches throughout the night. I got my period back and I, oh, I finished my placenta pills. Pills. So it was kind of this perfect storm. And I remember being in it, just kind of being like, oh, like everything's happening at once. And this is like freaking me out. And like your body knows that, right? And your baby knows that. And there was never a concern for me, milestone wise, development wise, like he was doing all that stuff perfectly, beautifully. And it was more like, okay, his weight has started to plateau. So what did my pediatrician do? Dun, dun. He handed me a little jar of Infamil, which this is something we can talk about in another episode, but um, formula companies make billions of dollars a year. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. And let's also think about it being in hospitals. Okay, great. So everything's a huge business. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Continue on. Well, nobody makes money from a breastfed baby at home. Nobody does. 
They're not making any money. That's all we're going to say. <laughs> Four times over. So, yeah, it was around that all these different things happened at once. And it was really, I never had in my mama gut instinct, I did not think anything was wrong. But that day, the fear of God was put in me of like, oh, I have done something wrong. Like the fact that my baby is now like he's plateaued in his weight. He was very lean. He was very long, which again is very typical of our family's genes. Like we're not, we had one brother who was a little bit chubby boy. Um, I was a baby. As a baby. But he was, Shana yeah. was a big girl as a baby, but she was very long, but she was never chubby. So she was girl, a 11 I was her. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> Our poor mother. So just looking at that. So I never had, my gut instinct was just, I never was fearful, but that day I was fearful. I, I went home and, you know, it was something that I had to even fight for immediately. So I was like, well, what's an alternative? Like, you know, is there a different alternative? And my husband didn't really like know at the time and just hadn't researched himself, of course. And he's freaked out by the doctor and is like, well, Tess, we need to listen. Why wouldn't we just give him the formula? Right? Like, that's what we do. That's okay. And so I was like, literally, no, we will not be doing that. And so then I started reaching out and I immediately went to the lactation specialist through UCLA. Um, and mm -hmm. it was one of the most horrific experiences I've ever had. But I actually talked to her on the phone before I arrived and she made me cry on the phone, pretty much telling me that I had starved my child. My child could be hospitalized. Uh, you guys just that she had never seen my child. She had read a chart and read his weight. And that's what she was telling me. So just not okay. And I went to that appointment alone totally shooken up which if someone does that to you don't go to that appointment yeah tessa tessa was doing what she felt was right in the moment for her baby but well, I was also, also she desperate to she had no other answer getting but yeah. if someone is treating you like that do not go and see them call and find someone else like yeah. there is someone else to call there's that's not the only resource so i had a lined up a private ibclc who i couldn't see though for two more days so i go and see this lactation specialist through the hospital she again immediately says, okay, feed him. And then he's not latching because he was tired or something. And then she's like, okay, I'm going to need you to pump now. And so I don't produce any milk in front of her. And she's like, look at this baby. He's starving. And I'm not joking, you guys. This is like, she starts pulling back his skin and pushing on his back. He's starving. Look at this baby. And I was like, he's, he's not starving. My baby is so content, so chill. No. He's not like he's not then tries to have me give him. Um, I forget the brand. It's the one that's supposed to be super like uh, it's supposed to be. <laughs> oh, man. I'll try to remember it. But give formula? me a little bottle of formula. Oh, yeah. The, the pre-made the pre one. What are they called? The S. It's an S name. That isn't that instrument. No, it was OK, maybe. Mm. But right it now. was just a ridiculous thing. I ended up leaving there and I was able to go see a private IBCLC who gave him a full on, this is the beauty of an IBCLC and of course a private one uh, who most of these take insurance or yes. you can get it paid for through the Leche League. So there's yes. options here. Uh, I unfortunately didn't qualify for either of those, which is really funny, but 
so that was a thing, you know, it's like sometimes you have to pay things out of pocket, but a lot of these things are covered. And I would say 90% of our mamas who are seen lactation specialists are getting it covered. Yeah. Which is such a cool gift. This is something new. This is like evolving right now. So it's and awesome. And you can do things like um, they're popping up more and more, but like the breastfeeding or lactation support classes, support yes. classes where it's a group setting and you're yep. all there together. Yep. A lactation consultant or specialist leads it and you're able to come and it's like 10 bucks at the door or something. And that's amazing. Yes. And then you huge. see how other moms are doing it, how other babies are latching. Mm-hmm. And I also want to say, we're not bashing on formula. Like, we know there's a time and place for a formula, but we also believe in people and providers having a holistic approach to being able to look at a child and know, and to be able to look at and a mother. offer another option. Exactly. And that's, she's looking at this mom who's freaked out. Did she she's looking at him? the baby. She never she won. Do any oral assessment. Did she ask any qualifying questions? Did she ask? Right. He was already crawling at this point. Like he right. was, it was he, also not like a fresh like formula bottle that she made in front of me. It was disgusting. I had been sitting on the shelf. That was my point. Yes. It was not. And I'm not, I wasn't saying, anything, I just want to make it clear. Like we know that there are, it is a gift for some. And we would also say like, there's brands that are a lot better than other course, brands. And we can course. link those in our show notes. But just knowing that of like, we first and foremost would always believe that a mother is capable of feeding her baby. And sometimes we are literally like bashed down and like torn down that we feel like there's no other option. And we're just encouraging you. You have options. You have so many resources. Please reach out to us if you're needing anything. Seriously. We always want to keep people in contact with one another. Yes. So that's all I want to say. Please continue. Yeah, so we she did a whole body assessment. She's looking at tone and body, and she's looking at muscles, and she's looking at how he responds reflex-wise. She's literally going head to toe with his body and checking him. Then she looks at how his, he's sucking. She has him feed while um, I'm there. She does a weighted feed. So it is the most thorough two-and-a-half-hour session with her, and it was wonderful, and it what it did is it gave me a game plan. So she had assessed him and was like, okay, he does have a tongue tie, but it's buttery soft. And there's this restriction is not inhibiting his food. So sometimes a highlight on with restrictions and tongue ties, when function is there, it can also be one of those tricky ones. It could be a very gray area. And looking back, I know that Sage was a very gray baby. He could have been one that if I had released him at that point, he probably would not have certain traits that he has now and different habits. But again, this was so much better than what I just came from, right? And so I'm just here like, okay, I get to breastfeed my baby. We have a plan and this is going forward. So I, she was a yeah. godsend to me. I can look back and be like, oh, I, I wish I had done this differently. I wish I knew what I knew now. I wish I realized. and. But I didn't. And, you know, it was the next best thing for me in that situation. So, And we will say, like, knowing with a baby that's restricted with, like, a tongue tie, this is Tessa's situation would be more typical of, like, a missed restriction, right? Her milk regulates. And at that point, her milk is not just pouring into Sage's mouth. And he has to work for it a little bit more. And this is right around when we would typically see, then, a child do exactly what Sage did. So. 
And again, the more we know, we can reflect back and look. So if you're in the middle of something like this, reach out to cranial sacral therapy. We had a therapist. We had one on our podcast. Angie, she's amazing. There's so many resources, but that is an amazing way if your child does have function, but they're maybe not gaining weight at a rate that you would like, like there, you have other things. You don't just have to go and get a revision done. There's other options. Go start seeing a chiropractor, but Tessa's journey with him would be a pretty typical, right. Right. In that sense. Yeah. And he continued to have good function too. So that's, it's really hard when you're looking at, that's why we look at the whole entire body, right? Tension throughout his whole entire body, but he, he never had an issue then pulling out the milk it was to that she said this once to me she was like he's one of those babies who's like happy to sleep rather than wake up through the night which was for him and his body type that was not great for him we wanted him to be waking up more right and so then I started on a wonderful journey of waking up my child who wanted to sleep eight hours um I was waking him up every three and that was oh long road it was rough we also started solids earlier uh around five and a half months because that to me was another way that i could get in high nutrient dense food and get in some good fats and help speed him along and get him a little bit up the curve uh and that was something too he had showed every sign for it i wasn't he wasn't leaning back and i'm feeding and scooping food into his mouth he was sitting upright he desired it he was reaching for spoons he was putting things to his mouth right so he was doing all these things which is what we want so that stage i mean we're still working on things it's he's one of those kiddos who i when he turns around five i will probably get him released when I can do the wound care properly, when I can talk to him and do myofunctional therapy, and this can be a journey that we go on together. Right now he's two and that is impossible to do. So we are doing our myofunctional therapy that we know how to do and that we've mentioned before in other episodes. So go back and listen. But Angie gave a lot of amazing tips with myofunctional therapy and yeah. tips and tricks for that. But it's a journey still. We're still continuing yep. that journey and it's not over. With baby number two, it was something that I was on red alert for, obviously. Uh, I had seen what Shana had gone through after Sage was born, what she had gone through, and that was an extreme case and much more just severe, right? Uh, It inhibited her to actually feed. So with baby number two, with Church, for me, it was within the first couple of days I noticed immediately, and so Shane was at the birth and my midwife, but I was like, oh, his jaw is so recessed. Like, this is a very recessed jaw. He also had a nuchal hand, which meant that his hand was up by his chin, and that's how he was born. So that was probably there for a couple of weeks, yep. at least. Yep. And that also did not allow his bone and his mandible to grow out the way that it needed to. So that was part of it. But then it also ended up that he had a restriction as well. So I was just seeing classic signs. I was not in pain. So again, pain doesn't always mean that there is not a restriction. Uh, so pain doesn't, that's not always the answer. So I did not have any pain. I had um, my milk had come in or transitioned um, on day two. So mm-hmm. literally it's now 48 hours and there's my milk. And I just have a very good milk supply. And I would say it's almost an oversupply at this point, which is just funny because as you have more and more babies, 
your milk supply typically grows. So just something to watch out for ladies. But it is something that then allowed him to eat very easily because the milk was pouring into his mouth. But some of the signs that I was seeing with him was just I'm seeing a lipstick shaped nipple. I was I would say it was very pinchy. That's always mm-hmm. the word. Very pinchy. He had a shallow latch, but I could easily relatch him and he was latching well. Uh, he was clicking. He was clicking. He was dimpling in his cheek, which you never want that because that shows an overcompensation of the cheek muscles that he's bringing his cheeks in. It should mm-hmm. just be the tongue and the undulation of the tongue to pull back the milk and push it back. So those were some of the things. And then I was just seeing a lot of tension in his body, a lot of tension. And it was just, he wasn't unhappy. He wasn't like not content. He was like chill, but he, again, it was just, those different signs. So I knew the things to look out for. Right. And also the tension in the body. Um, it was something even with the river and I was like, oh my gosh, like my baby is so strong. Look, her oh. neck is already up. And like, I know like Tess and I have like both said that. Yeah. And then my lactation specialist was like, well, this is a sign of extreme tension in her body that she is literally trying to like release and open and expand and in order to do so her neck, which that is something a newborn should not be doing. So another sign is that, which there's like videos on Instagram of like, oh my gosh, look at this crazy strong baby. Yeah. And advertising, I'm like, oh my gosh, like please put them in guppy pose. Like please start opening them. They need expansion. We yeah. need to open and widen. But that's another sign. And that's like what that tension yes. could look like, right? So that's one example. Tess obviously felt it and knew it in different ways. But that rolling very young, over rolling or doing almost that curve where they turn and then they roll. And you're like, oh my gosh, maybe it's already rolling. And they're, one month old, that's not a great sign. And again, if this has happened to you, like there is no judgment. There's no. nothing. We only know what we know at the time. And right. sadly, there's not enough information being out. That's why we didn't know. So this is our heart just to continue to spread it. Yep. And for you to kind of understand that, yeah, that these things, um, they're hitting. And that was something with Sage. Like he was hitting these milestones because he was turned over front ways and back ways early because the tension also in his body was helping assist in that so he could just easily turn to the side and he over. yep right because the tension's pulling him that way so it's the more still you know yeah the more you know yep and back. the more you know because <laughs> now you know back to church yes so yeah there, those were kind of some of the signs and symptoms that i was seeing and again i was seeing some blanching on my nipple not extreme but still some blanching every once in a while so it was just something that i immediately was like you know text my midwife like okay 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 like <laughs> i think she was like ah, i don't know worked with a lactation consultant um who is so incredible and she was like okay he is a gray area baby. Your milk supply is amazing. So he can get by with not doing right. much work. Right. And my milk supply will probably continue to be good, which I'm six months now. I have, I will say in quotations regulated, but not really. Right. Not really. And so he still doesn't have to work very hard for it, which you guys, this is it's not like it's a one fix, it's a snip, no. it's done. This That's is not, it's not a cure. Like Getting it a revision done, that's just one step in this journey. We would still encourage you still have to 
get there because that means there's tension in their body. So just releasing one part is going to unfurl a little bit, but it's not going to unwind everything. So that's what the fashion needs to be relaxed and, and buttery and movable. And that is a process. That's not just something that once, okay, well, I did the revision and now they're great. Yeah. And the body remembers, the body wants to return to that state that it was in, whether that was a state of curved in, whether that was a state of, you know, he always puts his head to his one side because that's how he was in utero. And so the body remembers and there's that muscle memory that starts in utero. So yes, you're not that you're working against that, but it's like, it's not, this is like a, it's like a lifelong journey. You don't just go to therapy. I'm fixed. I'm cured. It's been two years. I did therapy. I'm done. You would continue to do therapy, right? right? Because you're going to always want to continue to be a learner and evolve. So it's just looking at it like that. This is a holistic, whole body approach that, yes, it'll probably be getting easier yes, and slow down. And you can do check-ins and things like that. And things become more part of your life and habitual. But it's something you're going to have to continue to work on. So where we are today with church, he's six months old. And he, you know, he is gaining weight just totally wonderfully. He's growing. He's stretching. And... Oh, I will go back. The one other and thing. Chunky. He's ch- he's a chunky boy. He's so Shana. cute. He is chunky. <laughs> I don't have chunky children. So well, we just know that he's not it. chunky. No. Okay. Um, but he was spitting. That first week of life, he was spitting up a lot. And that to me was. And you guys, when your baby spits up, it's it like worries you. Like yeah, it does. And course. so he, he was spitting up a lot. And that again was he was taking in so much milk and he couldn't regulate that milk himself because so it's honestly, some of this is just like my body with his. And it just so happens to be that he was baby number two. And that's just how it is right now. He's dealing with the over milk supply. So where we are now, six months postpartum, he's wonderful. He's thriving. We have continued with uh, oral um, work. We are still doing stretches in his mouth. We are still working on him, even wanting to take a bottle, mm-hmm. um, which is another thing that we know from working with our dear, dear colleagues. But right around the four month mark, that sucking reflex integrates, right? And so, right then, if a baby was taking a pacifier before, they might reject it then. Or if they were taking a bottle before, they might reject it then because it's t- causing them to do more work, right? And so that's yeah. the story for church. He rejected both of those. And so, you know, like I'm a doula, I'm a mama of two. We are in the birth world and this is still something that we are struggling with. And it's rough because I want to be able to, you know, leave him with his daddy out. Or you like, with the you, bottle. you're going, you're at a birth and you want to know I'm at a birth. He will be fed. Yes. All those Which things. Of course so. And there's options, but you know, feeding him out of a spoon or an open <laughs> An open cup is not always the easiest yeah. option. <laughs> yes. So with between I would our, say you got him revised. Oh my gosh. Because you didn't say I that. I got him revised. So around yes. three weeks, I and honestly, it was only that long because I was waiting to get in. Um, yeah. I was ready to do it. Uh, we went in and she did the full exam. And that day I was prepared. If she was like saying yes to do it, I was prepared to have it done that day. And that is what happened with us. He again, she confirmed he was one of those gray area babies. He had 
that function that we described. He had some little function, he, but he was getting by because of my milk supply and et cetera. So we did the wound care. I was very religious about the wound care. I did it all myself. My husband would forget. So I just did it myself because I was feeding him. And my husband was normally with my toddler. Yep. So that's how it worked for us. Uh, and just still, we continued a lot of guppy, a lot of stretches. We, he was seeing a cranial sacral special therapist. And he saw her prior to the release because I knew. So I had seen him pretty around day five, I believe I had him worked on. And then he saw the Webster certified Cairo immediately. And so he had seen Cairo a couple of times and had cranial sacral therapy a couple of times prior to the release, which is ideal. Ideally, it would have been a little bit longer, a little yeah. bit more. But for Shana's case, she, she could not do that. There was no choices, right? So each, it's going to be different. Each story is going to be yep. different. For, for me, I wanted to get it done sooner than later than having it continue to go on because of your history with sage and there's also like if you wanted to do the route of there is huge benefits and it's amazing with going the route of like cranial sacral and fascial therapy and seeing a therapist like that and doing that that body work and learning those movements to open and and widen and expand your baby right because you're looking for expansion that is amazing and if that's something in an avenue you can explore and go down do it and don't do a procedure, right? Because that's what it is. A, a tongue tie, it's a big deal. Yep. The revision is a big deal. It's not something yep. like, yes, it's quick, but that's something that's cutting into layers of your of skin and muscle. And t- so it's like just thinking about that, that you have options. But Tessa, with her own journey and her own history, she knew what it would look like and, and what she wanted to do. Yeah. And I think you just knowing your options because you have so many. And like, for me, I feel like I kind of had one way that I had to go immediately. And now we're, we're relearning and River and I are learning together. And my husband of like, okay, this is our journey. And like Tessa said, we're all on it and we're going to continue down it uh, yeah. for the rest of her life. And yeah. then she'll take it over. <laughs> I want to say just with your situation, the knowledge that you didn't know, I mean, right. You learn so much afterwards. You learn so much through it. But what if you had known, what could you have done different in your situation? In, in pregnancy? Oh, we're right. getting into that. I wasn't yeah. going to go that okay. far back. Um, I would have looked into, talked to, with my postpartum doula, with my lactation specialist of what it would look like. And I would have just kind of learned like, what would these steps be? I would have hand expressed more. So then I knew it like, just like, you know, a little bit. I didn't hand express at all leading up. I just didn't, I had done it once. I was like, okay, I know how to do this. So I would have done those things and I would have really done a deep dive with my husband because we were both in a brand new world. We were both you know, learning to be parents alongside one another in this whole new journey. And then we had our daughter who wasn't able to do what I thought would be like the most basic thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would have just learned what it would look like um, and learned a little bit more of those basics of breastfeeding because we, we say it, even though it is innate, it doesn't come naturally, right? It is a learned trait and learned behavior. So giving time and I just put so much pressure on myself of like, okay, she's not eating and she's got this tongue that's literally not functioning. And I have to make sure that I'm doing all these things to make sure she's good and getting what she needs to survive. 
So I just wish I had a little bit more support mentally and prepared for myself. And then also knew some of those, like exactly what you read, like what do babies actually need? How much are they actually getting? How big is their stomach actually? Because I was focused on birth and then I was focused on like meal prepping to make sure I had my you know, my supplies ready and doing these things. And I forgot, I was like, oh, breastfeeding is going to be easy. Like my mom breastfed, not a big deal. I have nipples. They're not inverted. Like, you know, I'm being ignorant, but like, I just didn't think about it. And I wish I had given it a little bit more thought. What about you? I mean, similar. I, I wish I just knew really more about tongue ties and the symptoms of it um and more the lot more life you know term effects yeah yeah rather than just like the initial because again both my boys for both like they could have swung one way right and i swung different ways for both of them yeah so it's just interesting and i'm interested to see how it plays out with like okay church did have a revision sage did not let's look at them when he's five and he's four or whatever three and a half like where are they at right yeah. because where's their body where's their tension where what part now is genetics to epigenetics to their personalities and how they you know embrace the world there's so many things but it's just going to be interesting to see because they are close in age yep they're both boys it's just interesting i have a tongue tie and that's something i'm working on myself uh so i think it's just that you know it it let out the fire and the yeah. urge to research for myself and I love it it's something like we're both so passionate yeah. about I think it's super cool and cannot get enough information on it not uh, at all. I love it I love it. but yeah I think it's just more of that like a little bit more just knowing yeah the other effects of it not yeah. just the immediate yeah and I think in this for like the more that I learn the less I know yeah. I'm like, oh, wait, okay, so this isn't the way, okay, then this is, okay, so I should do this, oh, wait, I shouldn't do this, okay, wait, all of these options, I'm like, yeah, again, like, just bringing it back to our heart is to supply and to, not to supply, to talk about these things. To supply <laughs> milk for the world, <laughs> for all the babies. That's our heart. <laughs> um, but to bring these things up. Um, they're applicable to our own journeys, but a lot of things aren't. And we still want to bring it up because this is your decision and your journey with your family, whatever that looks like. And just making that awareness of like, it's your own informed, empowered decision. And that's, you have the information. Now you move forward and you do what is right for your family, just like we have done and will continue to do. And that's going to continue to change mm-hmm. for my next baby. I don't know what that would look like. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it just all changes. So yeah, I think this is a wonderful conversation. We just wanted to highlight some of the very maybe common versus normal things, highlight some of the things that you could be looking for. We know we just had on Dr. Bethany, who was incredible. Yes. And if both, I'd say the one that Dr. Bethany and Dr., um, Angie B. Matt would both be ones to go back and listen to if you have missed it, because yeah. these all tie in together. And we're so excited for our next guest. We'll be talking all about lactation in general. Yes. Uh, and that is really just hoping just to tie a little pretty knot and, and bow on this a whole conversation. <laughs> a, knot, a pretty bow. Uh, just to kind of finish it out. But again, we love talking about this. We want to just raise awareness lactation. to it. And let you guys know you're not alone. We do not have it all figured out. We are still learning and we're not working so hard every day to try our best. Yep. And it's really hard, you guys. So yeah, we see you. We get you. We are with you. 
That's all we got. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Mama. We're so thankful you decided to join us today, and we hope you go forward in your day feeling encouraged and seen. Here are a few ways you can connect with our community and support the show. The first way is to share the show with a friend via text or Instagram. You can follow and leave a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And finally, follow us on Instagram at 4 Birth. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week for another episode.